Welcome to Coach House Talks. Hello everyone. As Andy said last week, we're going into a series on how to deal with certain things. This is loosely based on issues found in Ecclesiastes. So this talk is from Ecclesiastes 4 verses 1 to 3. It says this, Again I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Cheerier. Today, we're going to talk about justice and injustice. Before launching, I'm going to do the typical preacher thing of defining what justice is. It's important for us to know what we're talking about before we try and unpack it. So what is justice? Justice, according to the dictionary, is the quality of being fair and reasonable, or the administration of law and authority in maintaining fairness. The Hebrew word mishpah means both punishing those that deserve it and protecting the vulnerable. It's treating everyone fairly, regardless of any qualities they have. We are instructed to act justly. In Micah 6 verses 6 to 8, after reminding the Israelites what God has done for them, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God cares more about the attitude of our hearts and our fairness than about all the extravagant gifts we could, le- we could give. To really understand justice, we need to understand injustice. So what is injustice then? The word injustice com- comes from Latin and means not just. In today's world, there are lots of things that aren't just. There are so many people that are treated unfairly, whether that be because of their skin colour or their gender or disability or any other quality that people might see as different. People take advantage of others to get ahead. One of the biggest examples of injustice that we see today is modern slavery. There's a massive problem with this. There are people that are secretly transported and forced to work or have sex for money for their captors. There are estimates there are between 38 and 46 million slaves today. That's an enormous amount of people that don't even have simple rights and that are treated unfairly. There are also other problems of justice, like abortion, especially those that are disabled, which can happen right up to birth in this country. Injustice and inequality have always been in the world, but it does seem that it is worse than ever. Maybe it's just we know more about it now, but there are so many stories of injustice around the world. One that might hit a bit closer to home is the Rochdale paedophile ring. This was a sex abuse scandal where men in Rochdale managed to kidnap or persuade children into having sex with them and other people for money. 
There was a TV program on this called Three Girls. It focused on three victims of the Rochdale Ring and how they were involved in it. It showed how unjustly they were treated, especially because one of them had Down syndrome. It showed how awful people can be to each other. There is so much wrong with what people do to each other. So what does God say about justice? Well, the first thing to note is that God invented social justice. He invented a system of government in Israel where people were cared for. The laws of Israel involved rules about slaves and what justice looked like for those who'd stolen or killed or damaged someone else's property. They involved rules for dealing with people in court and how to deal with foreigners. These rules showed the Israelites how to deal with each other, especially the most vulnerable. Orphans and the fatherless are mentioned at least 40 times, widows over 80 times, foreigners nearly 100 times and the poor over 2,000 times. Isaiah 117 is a great example when it says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. The Bible is very concerned for those who have no one to look after them. In the times when the Bible was being written, the father was the breadwinner, the one who would provide for the family and the one who would protect the interests of the family. They would make sure that the rights of the family would be upheld and if anything bad happened, they would fix it. Orphans and widows would not have had this protection, so they needed extra help. The poor and foreigners wouldn't have had the connections or financial backing to fight their cases in court, so they also needed extra protection. This is something we might see today, with 1% of people owning 43% of the world's wealth. There's a lot of poverty in our world. And in recent times in this country, even in Manchester, the influx of refugees, of people running away from war and coming to where we are. God wants people to be protected. He wants people to be treated fairly and kept safe. That's because all people bear the image of God. Every person has a little piece of who God is inside them. Every person shows something of God to the rest of the world. And that needs to be protected. God is immeasurably valuable. And everyone that has a little piece of God also has great worth. We need to treat each other with the respect that God's image comes with. The New Testament deals with issues of social justice too. James 1 verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their adversity and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There are also issues of justice inside the church. In Acts there was an issue between the different widows that the church were feeding. In Acts 6 verses 1 to 4 it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. 
It was important that the church was fair to those within it and was providing help equally. They took what the widow said seriously and acted on it. We should make sure when we're offering help, it's offered equally and without partiality to all who need it. This was also an issue in James where Christians were discriminating against the poor. In James 2 it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? God has not treated us with partiality, and neither should we do that to others. Just because someone looks different, or has been brought up in a different way, or doesn't have as much money as us, that doesn't mean we should treat them any differently, or seat them in a different place. I have sadly seen this exact thing happen in a church. Some years ago when I attended a different church, Gareth Gates came one time, and was reserved a special seat at the front. The Bible expressly warns us not to do this. Equally, if someone comes in and they're clearly homeless and smell, we shouldn't banish them to the back. Some people say that we should wait for people to become Christians before we help them. They think that every bit of free food or everything we do to help people should come attached with the strings of becoming a Christian. The problem with this is that faith that people might profess might not be genuine. They might just want things that are being offered. They might not have any choice at all and they might have to say that they believe to get what they need. We don't want people to feel forced into faith as that will never work. That is why we were given free will so that we could freely choose, not be forced into anything. Yes, it is true that people's greatest need, whatever situation they're in, is to be saved from their sin. People need more than anything else to be forgiven of all they've done wrong, like we've been. However, this faith needs to be from each person's own heart and free will. Furthermore, Jesus didn't treat people that way. When Jesus dealt with people in need, he treated them with respect. Let's look at three examples. Firstly, let's look at the feeding of the 5,000. These weren't people that were necessarily in need because they were poor, but they were in need because they couldn't get anything to eat at that time. These people had come to Jesus because they had heard he could do miracles. There were almost certainly people in the crowd that were just looking for something free, but that didn't stop Jesus feeding them. He did also feed them spiritually. He preached to them and told them the gospel, but he didn't require they believed before he gave them kindness. Some would have believed, but some wouldn't. Jesus knew that and showed them kindness anyway. Next, let's look at the Samaritan woman. Jesus met a woman who was a social outcast. She'd lived a wildly outrageous life with several husbands and was living with a man who was not her husband. She was not living how she should. 
But Jesus treated her with kindness anyway. He treated her with respect and told her the gospel kindly, taking into account what he knew about her life. Jesus walked alongside her and he listened to her questions and dealt with them. Finally, Jesus went to the lepers and healed them. He went to the people that society wouldn't even touch. He went to the people that had the rights of being part of society taken from them and gave them those rights back. In Luke 5 verses 12 to 13 it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus didn't wait for him to be clean first or for him to be baptised to help him. He dealt with this man with gentleness and restored him. Jesus didn't demand a profession of faith before he fed people, walked with them or healed them. So neither should we. Jesus didn't demand any of us believed in him before he gave his life for us. In Romans 5 verses 8 to 11 it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. While we were still his enemies, he showed us the greatest love of all. While the most unjust punishment was laid on Jesus, we, his enemies, were forgiven of our greatest sins. We were restored back into a right relationship with God in that moment. We should be involved in that process of restoring. We should be listening to those people that aren't treated fairly, walking with them and showing them gentleness and kindness, whether they choose to believe or not. We should give people the information they need to believe if questions arise, but we shouldn't force anything down their throats or make our help conditional on their faith because that really doesn't help anything. So what should we actually do about injustice? The Bible tells us we should speak up for oppressed people. Proverbs 31 verses 8 to 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. It's our responsibility to look after those who cannot look after themselves. If there's a group of people that are being oppressed and cannot speak up for themselves, we should speak up for them. We should make sure people are treated fairly and not stamped on. To do this properly, we need to walk side by side with these people. We need to do some research and make sure we understand what these people are going through. We may not fully understand, as we'll most likely not be in that situation ourselves, but we can learn about the plight of others and what we can do to make the situation better. However, 
a warning. We need to make sure that this is within the will of God and agrees with the Bible. Society nowadays would tell us that we as Christians should now bend our rules to let all who've been discriminated against be fully part of a Christian community. We want all people to feel loved and accepted in our church, and we accept all people from all walks of life. But we have to show people how to walk with and have a right relationship with God. We need to make sure that God's boundaries for living with him are made clear. Another group of people we need to be careful with is the pro-choice movement. They make it seem that a woman's rights over her body come above the rights of an unborn baby. And those rights have further diminished if the baby is unfortunate enough to be disabled in some way. We need to be on the right side of the battle. Similarly, there are news articles or Facebook posts that call for action and sharing, but they don't always have the correct facts. Before we share things on social media or argue about them, we should make sure that we know the truth. I can be quite bad for this. People tell me things or I read things on unreliable sites and it goes into my brain like a fact and I can't remember where I heard it. I will then, at some point, spew out this fact. I need to improve on doing my research to make sure that what I've heard or read is correct. We also need to be focusing on the right battles. We need to devote our energies where God wants us. We can all pray for these people and make sure we're having sensible discussions on these things, trying to alienate people as little as possible. There's also little things we can do, like there's an app you can get to take pictures of hotel rooms so police can identify where traffic girls are being held from pictures of them. But, for some of us, these issues might be something that we want to take further. Maybe we're being called to do more. Maybe we're being called to make this our full-time work. Maybe we're being called to campaign for those who have no voice. Maybe we're being called to work to free those who have been enslaved by others. If you'd like any more information about where to start looking with companies like that, I'm very willing to lend a helping hand as I looked into God's calling in that area myself. Most of us won't be called in that way. We will be called to live responsibly and pray for those in hard situations. But someone listening might be. We need to be listening to God and open to that call. It might be that God has a really important job for us to do. So we need to fight injustice, whatever form it's in. But we also need to remember that God is the ultimate judge. We need to save whoever we can from living under injustice and do what we can for them. But we need to not let it turn into us taking revenge. It's a sad truth that often people groups that live under oppression go on to oppress those who used to rule over them once they're free. That is not our job. Our job is to treat everyone fairly and use the justice systems that are in place but it's not to take revenge. God will judge everyone when we die, so we needn't try to squeeze in all the judgment we can on the earth. So let's fight injustice. God hates it and it's our job to follow his leading. We need to be like Jesus on the earth, whether that be loving our neighbour or going to the ends of the earth to release people from oppression. Judgment isn't our job, but fighting for justice is.
Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.